Welcome to Changing Places, brought to you by Avis and Young. In Changing Places, we explore our continuing and complex relationships with the built world around us. I'm your host, Miriam So. When you pull up to SoFi Stadium, the first thing you can see is a magnificently curved roof, which almost looks like a million silver tiles suspended in midair. You can also see airplanes flying into LAX. There's a beautiful lake just beyond the parking lot. When you enter the lobby, you descend the stairs and the field is right in front of you. It is truly an indoor-outdoor space with plants, trees, and enclosed spaces combining into one unique experience. It looks and feels like a modern, minimalistic creation for modern audiences. Located in the heart of the city of Inglewood, SoFi Stadium has ushered in a renaissance for the city, community, and stakeholders across the value chain. This is a story about meeting the needs and interests of the community while ensuring the presence of a new stadium was an asset to its new home city rather than a hindrance. In this episode of Changing Places, we're going to explore what happens when empty lots and vacant land are turned into the most technologically advanced sports stadium and urban complex in the world. What kind of benefits come from having a massive sports complex in your backyard? And how did those planning the structure ensure that it was a space for everyone, not just game day ticket holders? So how does this newly designed stadium and grounds hold up in light of the changing way many of us view large gathering spaces in this COVID-affected era? Our guests are project manager Gerard McCullum from Wilson Meany and landscape architect Mia Lehrer from Studio MLA. They'll guide us through the development, building, and opening of SoFi and reveal to us how their different visions helped to create SoFi Stadium, an unrivaled sports and urban complex. Gerard McCullum, Mia Lehrer, welcome to Changing Places. So Gerard, how did you first become involved in turning Hollywood Park Racetrack into SoFi Stadium? Well, actually, back in 2005, the company I worked for, Wilson Maney, was the in-house developer for a real estate investment firm called Stockbridge out of San Francisco. And they had purchased the former racetrack in 2004 with a two-pronged pledge. One was to preserve the racetrack, if at all possible, through some state legislation. And two, if not, to be, to uh, redevelop the actual property itself. That's when I came in. I had been a part of the Inglewood community on other projects before, namely the acquisition of the Great Western Forum for the Faithful Central Bible Church. So I'd been actively involved in real estate transactions for a while. And so that's how I actually became involved was as they were looking at the future of Hollywood Park, they wanted somebody local that understood uh, the community at large. And I was fortunate to be that person. Mia, how did you first become involved in turning Hollywood Park Racetrack into SoFi Stadium? We were approached by Wilson Meany developers from San Francisco coming to Los Angeles to look at the racetrack at Hollywood Park and turn the area, 298 acres, into a development that was mixed use. And the stadium was an added feature after we'd been working on the project for a while. It became clear there was another site available. So new partners came in and the rest is history. Did you experience any pushback at all as you and your team began presenting ideas to the community, uh, private businesses, the city of Inglewood? Yes. You know, if you recall, the site right across from the forum was previously under consideration by the Walmart Corporation, who 
tried to pass an initiative to bypass the planning process in the city of Inglewood. That didn't go very well. So when we came up to sort of propose Hollywood Park, we stepped back to look at that situation, study it, and understand exactly what went wrong there. We took about a year and a half to just actually go out and you might call it a roadshow. We did a listening tour for about a year and a half. I know that's uh, a luxury for most developments, but because of the scope and size of this project, we thought it was absolutely necessary to hear from the citizens and get their input in terms of what they did and did not want. So you, you said you changed attitudes by being able to do that. You said a year and a half of listening to, to the community. That, that seems like a long time. It is. You know, by doing what that sort of year and a half process, we were able to change the attitudes of the citizens from being opposed to development vis-a-vis the Walmart development to looking at what the future could hold by doing those listening tours. With regards to the stadium and and the redevelopment of that area, was there any pushback from the community or the city of Inglewood to this idea? Well, actually, because there had been work already underway for about six years uh, on what we call, you know, a planning effort associated with Hollywood Park, the racetrack. And so the idea of keeping a lake like what, on the site that we called the racetrack became important as part of a park. And so there was this sort of sense that there would be change and, um, and you know, that, that they were be that, and people were being promised by the developer and by the elected officials, especially the mayor, sort of a, a new chapter uh, in Englewood. And, one of the things that was clear was the community did not want more commercial, large-scale sort of box development, and either did the mayor. Was it important for you, from your own design aesthetic, to take advantage of everything, I guess, that the site had to offer to make sure that it was accessible for the community and then also environmentally sound? Yes, um, it was extremely important uh, to, to to consider this, uh, let's say, neighborhood within this small city to be well sort of integrated in terms of the environmental features and parkland and also some of the other important uses that would make it a plus-plus for the community. So that what we call infill development would actually be of tremendous value, not just for the new neighbors and new neighborhoods, but also for the people that already live in Englewood and have been there for generations. Well, what would you say is in it for residents in the area who are concerned about the impact that this was going to have? And and the reason I'm asking that is, you know, there's a lot of money for sports arenas. And how is it that you can justify these kinds of projects in communities that may have been able to use the funds for something more tangible programs and such? Well, I think the key to your question is funds. Where do those funds come from? You've got almost over 330 acres of land. How do you create something that's a viable alternative to just vacant land that's not really paying any of its fair share of property taxes or revenues to the city? You look for private investors to come in and to partner with the city to create kind of a future that's both livable for the local citizens and yet also uh profitable for those that are investing in the in the property. And that's where you get some things like a Hollywood Park being converted into SoFi Stadium. You're correct in terms of if we were only building a stadium, that would be a question mark. Eight, 
maybe 16, 20 games a year. If you look at most stadiums of that size, they're mostly open and vacant parking lots. And so where do you create consistency in terms of job opportunities, tax revenue, sales tax, parking tax, or whatever, if you have so few events? And I think when you look at Hollywood Park, it's a very different project in that it is an urban infill project. We're building 2,500 homes on that site, a hotel, 25 acres of park space, over 330,000 square feet of retail for the first phase. So there's a lot more that, that goes on besides just the activities at the, at the stadium. And so that's where you get a bigger return to the citizens beyond just the event dates themselves. Surprising thing about this massive sports complex in the middle of Los Angeles. It's so quiet here. Well, right now, obviously, there's no people, but I mean, you wouldn't ever expect that this is in the middle of Inglewood. <laughs> you know, you kind of like, wow, really? Like, it, it's so large, and I, I hear about them trying to expand even more and more, and it's yeah, I don't know. It's just surprising. So will you be back for a, another a game or an event? Uh, or? Absolutely. I hope so. Absolutely. Yeah. At some yeah. point. So it's more than just a stadium, it's safe to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. The stadium right now is the headliner, right? But if you zoom out from the stadium and you look at the rest of the urban plan there, I think you'll be actually surprised by what's being actually developed there in terms of housing, office space, it's really kind of creating a whole city within a city, if you will. As, as you're talking more about this stadium, I've never been there. So I'm just basing my knowledge off of pictures and, and videos and conversations. What I find fascinating, it sounds like this is going to become a new small town within a town. Or how would you describe it? How, how has it become? Well, I think it's a, a new, I would say, cultural civic space, not just for the city and the you know, neighborhood, city of Inglewood, and some of the other cities around it, but also regionally, the place as a destination. We learned during the community workshops that we did that a lot of a lot of people said that the parking lots in what was there before at Hollywood Park, uh, where 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 kids learn how to skateboard or how to bike use bicycles, that there weren't enough parks or big enough parks um, that really helped multi-generationally for people from when they were very young to when they were older to really kind of, you know, really use the place uh, as, as a park with their families for whether it was picnics or bicycling or skateboarding. And so Really, in some ways, stadiums have become that. They were expecting to have a park, and the park incorporated a lake, and we were supposed to plant a certain number of trees, and it was over 5,000 trees, and that's what we did. We planted trees, not only as trees along the the roadways, but also um, along the parks that surrounded the lake and and the rest of the stadium, it was done in such a way that it that it would be looked very much of a, a deliberate strategy to make it beautiful and uh, people friendly places where people could sit sit and jog and play music and uh, create memories. So I love to actually um, exercise. I love to pray. Um, it helps me clear my mental, to be honest with you, and it relieves a lot of stress from the day. 
I would say it's definitely a benefit to the community. Somewhere, it's a place where people can go out and take pictures, enjoy time with their family, and just be free and enjoy the crisp air, watch the scenery, and just enjoy life. It's more of my personal time away from the world. Um, yeah, I came here several times with a, play, a girl that I worked at at a facility around the corner close by and um, we would exercise together but for the most part this is more like my um, solo dolo outing. <laughs> it's interesting because my understanding of the stadium is just you know the, the news articles that I've read in the background and so I haven't seen it with my own eyes but it sounds really cool to be able to have so many different uh, facets to it. It's not just a stadium. Gerard how important was it that jobs around the redevelopment of Hollywood Park went to residents of Inglewood instead of being outsourced across Southern California? It was very important. When we started in Inglewood, it had a 17.8% unemployment rate in the city. We had a 30% local job hire requirement for the construction site and a 35% post-job hiring beyond construction so that it just wasn't, you know, two, three-year at a pop sort of lift in the unemployment rate, but it was kind of a, you know, sustained over the lifetime of the project. And so those were things that sort of the citizens really wanted, and we were able to uh, accomplish that. It's really fascinating to me just hearing about all these different elements that have come together and the different ways you can use the area. What does it feel like to you to see this completed and seeing people enjoying the work that you were part of? It's, I can say that my first reaction was emotional, <laughs> just, you know, because you, you work really hard on the drawings and on the conceptualizing and on the you know, delivering the ideas to people. And there was something about this place um, and space at this moment in time where everybody was just working really hard and uh, really um, a very upward, uh, a very positive uh, sort of attitude on the part of everybody, even though, of course, we were going through COVID. And it was that was scary, right? It was really a scary and has been a scary time in in construction, but you know it was there was something to prove that we could do it, that we would prevail, um, and that the life would continue, and that this place would offer it just a tremendous sort of uplift. We all grown up in communities, some some small neighborhoods, some bigger neighborhoods, some big cities, small cities, and we all have memories, and um, it's wonderful that that this community is going to have very strong memories of this place. That's really got to be an amazing experience to be able to see that come to fruition. And um, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. In in terms of um, two things that caught me when you were talking um, about the lake, the importance of keeping the lake, and then also about planting all of these trees. So first, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the lake and why it was important to maintain it. And in your design. Yeah. Well, so there was a lake at Inglewood uh, Stadium at the Inglewood uh, racetrack for some of the features that they cared more the ba- uh, most about. The lake would come up and trees and shade would come up. I think the project proves that even though it costs more upfront as a developer to actually do some of this work, then in the long term, it's actually much more beneficial environmentally, but visually and emotionally, it means a lot. I do want to ask the one thing that I I find 
fascinating is the, all the trees that you had to plant. Where where do you find 5,000 trees? <laughs> it's interesting. I understand your question about how do you locate 5,000 trees. Um, you basically start looking for the trees a couple of years before you really need them. And you start sourcing them. There are nurseries and some are more, have a, a great uh, selection of trees that are, uh, you know, and they are like any other type of, I guess, online sort of research, you can you can find what 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 is the what is it that people have available or what they don't, and then from there you go on to look in sort of more unconventional places uh, where people have their own collections. They're okay with sort of selling them at some point. Everything was, I just, I even had fun down there on the field because I'm a girly girl, but I literally had fun out there on the field taking, you know, dealing with the interactive things. And I say to anybody who, even if you live in LA, if you've never been here, come and take a tour because it was pretty amazing. I enjoyed the tour. It was worth every penny. When you look back at the design of the stadium and think of how we're now in this sort of COVID era, does that change your perspective on on things at all? Or did it just happen by chance that you were able to design something with this open air design? Well, yeah, I think it's it's a good it's a good question. But I think um, we landed in the right place, which is uh, an open sort of an environment where indoor and outdoor are very uh, sinuously integrated and uh, where we really were trying to celebrate um, the California climate and that indoor-outdoor set of experiences that architects over time have tried to sort of take advantage of in terms of the benign climate out here and so working with the architects HKS. And so in terms of as the cool air comes through, you, you know, you really sense your outdoors and uh, it's hard to tell where the building ends and where the gardens begin. When it comes to SoFi, do you think SoFi has become an integral part of the city of Inglewood? And, and is it an example of something well done that other cities can look to? And we'll get back to those questions. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Before we get back to SoFi Stadium, Changing Places, brought to you by Avis and Young, continues to explore and question our complex relationship with the built world around us. Do you dream of attending an event at a 21st century stadium built for our new reality? Are you someone who just wants to see the game or concert without all the bells and whistles? Or are you perfectly happy sitting on your sofa watching a football game without 20,000 new friends? Stay tuned for the next portion of Changing Places, brought to you by Avis and Young. I'm Miriam Sob. Let's continue with our guests, Gerard McCullum and Mia Lehrer. Gerard, a minute ago, we started to discuss how you and your team worked with the city of Inglewood to ensure the entitlement of the land worked for everyone involved. Is the Inglewood relationship a blueprint for other cities around the world? Can it even be replicated? I think so. You know, I really applaud everyone, the SoFi team, obviously our team, the city of Inglewood. You know, together, uh, we charted this course to create this future for the city. And it was a collaboration and an understanding between all parties of what each needed, what SoFi needed and what the city of Inglewood needed. And there's that partnership that goes, that, that will go on beyond just the development and getting the entitlements done. 
And I applaud, I applaud that SoFi Stadium team that really has engaged with the community beyond its events. So that's totally approachable to everybody that lives within the city of Inglewood. And I think that's what you need. When you have such a large project, it becomes a pretty significant neighbor of yours. And I think that's really what, we're, what we embarked about, what SoFi Stadium is doing, is creating a sense of being a good neighbor uh, to, one, for, to one another so that the future is just, you know, works for everybody. Do you think a project like this can be replicated elsewhere or is this something that is just so um, unique? Well, I don't think it could replicate, be replicated in cold climates in the way it could be replicated in, in sort of uh, certainly in warmer climates which would, you know, the Mediterranean climates like ours, there was tremendous leadership, both in terms of the ownership and the elected officials, the mayor, also the the developers that are involved in the retail and, and both the professional team of architects, engineers, and then also the the builders. All, all combined, everybody was, it was a memorable experience and a very positive one. When it comes to your experience uh, with SoFi via entitlements and, and repurposing land, how would you advise another city if they wanted to do something similar? I think they first need to set up their objectives. It's easier when you go to a city like Los Angeles that has a large staff and quite a few competent people, primarily because they've just done so many projects, such a large city that can afford to hire staff. They're handling a lot with a very few staff. And so one of the things I would say to, to those cities is that be prepared and make sure all your departments are lined up to be able to handle, um, you know, any of these type of projects that would come into your area. So if you set out to go after an Amazon, make sure you could actually execute that in a timely manner or else you sort of lose those opportunities for those type of investors to even look at your communities. Speaking of doing things in a timely manner, it seems like things have to kind of come together and start the ball rolling. But what would happen if one of the stakeholders dropped out or raised objections to part of or all of the project? How does that affect everything? Oh, in a major way. And it depends on who that is, right? So if it's the city, gosh, and you're not entitled and you don't have any rights uh, that are vested, you're stuck. Change of political environments, you're stuck if you haven't invested those rights or did that investment up front early. And so that can kill a project. It's very important. Timing and stakeholders. Is there any fear when getting involved in a large project like SoFi that it might not come together? Or, or is it something that's pretty much set once you break ground on it? Once we break ground, it's pretty much set. It's getting to break ground is the problem. Or it's, it's where the risk is, right? Getting that land entitled in California is just increasingly becoming hard to do. And so up until that point of groundbreaking, when you're finally have the rights to develop, and you're ready to start the project, that's the most tenuous time of the project, in my opinion. Uh, if you can't get the right to develop that land, you may own it. But if it's zoned one thing and you need it to be something else, um, that's the crucial time. And so, you know, um, we're doing, we did the entitlements also for uh, the arena across the street, which will be uh, the Intuit Dome, right? The Clippers Stadium. And that project uh, took us all the way up to the state legislation uh, to get special legislation from that, sorry, 
called leadership to be able to get through the secret process and not be bogged down by lawsuits and other folks that had other interests outside of just providing something for the community. That room that controls like all of their electronics and stuff. Oh, the um, data center. The data center as well as the... What did you call it? The uh, like the Samsung. The Samsung. Jumbotron. The center, the jumbotron that has like he says it's like four stories high. But that screen, you cannot miss it no matter where you are. So that was pretty amazing. I was also fascinated about how they um, said they constructed the infra- the infrastructure of the building because of the earthquakes and stuff. Because the stadium is not that far from the vault line. They put a lot of I think they put a lot of thought into a lot of things. Also, how you know um, they have the turf out there that it's not grass we don't have to worry about using a lot of water um i like how they brought in all the different plants and how they have sections of it that kind of represent different portions of the state you know like you have the mountain views they have the palm springs they you know the palm trees they just did a lot so it was pretty fascinating to me how do you think we can change people's conceptions around sports stadiums and make them seen as a fully functioning part of a community like what happened in inglewood You know, when you're in large cities like Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, to be exact, you have to provide more than just a stadium. Land is at a premium. Housing is extremely tight. We have housing issues. We have a number of issues that we have to address for the citizens. And so you have to come really with a multi-pronged approach than just a single purpose at this point. And so going forward, really sensible, smart urban planning that considers the whole environment and not just a single purpose is I think really where we're going to have to go. If it's not a large project like Hollywood Park, SoFi Stadium, even if you're sort of filling in outside of residential, what other amenities or whatever that you could make the community get closer to being whole, I think is really going to be the answer going forward. Before we wrap up, Gerard, are there any trends you're seeing right now in the development world, which may be with us for the next five years or so? I think it really is just really smart development. Obviously, we are all moving towards addressing greenhouse gases and the environment. I think that's really where a lot of things are now focused on. Now, cities are becoming very smart. The communities are becoming very smart. All of us are very conscious of these matters and really are trying to develop smart development that really encompasses everything from the environment to human health, to jobs and opportunity, and to really creating balanced communities. We are standing at the lake in front of SoFi Stadium. Night has fallen. The sound of airplanes descending into LAX can be heard above me. But the sight of this this beautiful lake in an urban oasis is truly something to behold. The lights on the lake give it the sheen of gold or amber just glistening in the moonlight. A thousand birds mill about under this pink-hued sky. Trees and fauna and flora just surrounding us in every direction. You would never know it, but right behind me, I could turn around and you'll see a parking lot that's probably 90% empty right now. However, just knowing that this space exists in the middle of the city of Inglewood, in the middle of the county of Los Angeles, just steps away from the airport and minutes from the beach, you almost feel as if you are in another world. And then when you walk into SoFi Stadium, it's just a continuation. Where does one end and the other begin? I think that's the better question. Because in this space, you really aren't sure. And that really is something to consider. 
Gerard McCullum and Mia Lair, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today about your work and involvement with SoFi Stadium. I think we've all seen what a difference a well-planned, intentionally created complex like SoFi can really benefit the community it is in. Only the future will tell us if this is a venture that can be replicated, but I think we've seen it can work if everyone's on the same page. In our next episode, we're leaving the bright lights of SoFi Stadium for the footlights of London's West End. Join me as we tour the Shaftesbury Theatre, speak with its CEO, and get an expert's view about the theatre, its evolving future, and what it means for those of us on both sides of the curtain. Thank you for joining us. See places changing and evolving in your neighborhood? Share your evolving spaces with us on social media using the hashtag ChangingPlacesPodcast. I'm Miriam Soap, and this is Changing Places. Changing Places is brought to you by Avis and Young. Our producer is Andrew Pemberton Fowler. Our sound engineer is Patrick O'Neill. Additional production support is provided by Jar Audio.